Welcome to Wizard Team, a Harry Potter cast for true Potterheads. Usually each week we discuss a chapter from the Harry Potter series, but today we're doing something a little different. In light of recent events in which JK Rowling decided to be bigoted with her entire chest, we're releasing this recording of a panel we did at LeakyCon Boston with Connie Gibbs, Delia Gallegos, Maggie Brevig, and Abby Ritter. This panel discusses the importance of holding JK Rowling, big name fans, and fandom as a whole accountable when they do things that are harmful to marginalized people. Um, really quick announcement, use the hashtag WizardTeam on Twitter to follow along. You can also tag and follow us at We Black and Nerds, become a Patronus, or send us a cheering charm um, at blackgirlscreate.org slash donate. And if you want to support us but don't have the funds to do so, or even if you do, rate and review us on iTunes. Um, and then be sure to subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on social media, join our Slack channel, um, and just like nerd out with us in general. Um, no news if we have any that, well, other than like JK Rowling being the worst, but we'll discuss that more in depth in our regular episode. Um, so let's just get into the panel. Everyone's views are their own and do not reflect the larger association of which they come from. Come from. Except Black Girls Cream. We out so here. So this is uh, called Wait and See, and uh, we get that title from the numerous times in which J.K. Rowling has use her Twitter fingers <laughs> to say something in which marginalized or people, or not even marginalized sometimes, just people who felt offended by the comments that she has expressed or the extra canon that she has shared have spoken out about it and have been told by other fans to wait and see. Hence, when Magic in North America was released and Native American people and um, indigenous people uh, and others and, beyond, and, yeah. and allies and, and people of color were like, what is this? And people were told, and they were told by the larger fandom, the movie's not even out yet, wait and see, it's, the, the series isn't over yet, you don't know where she's going with it, like, give her grace and time, and then again with Johnny Depp, and then again with Fantastic Beast, and then again, and then again, and then again. Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. <laughs> so... I say all this to say there, those are examples of being shouted down on social media when speaking out against J.K. Rowling in particular, the added canon and things of that nature um, uh, happening to marginalized communities. How have you guys dealt with that? Have you been told personally to wait and see um, or some variation of that? And how have you dealt with it? And what does that, how has that colored your engagement with the canon and with the fandom overall? Um, I wrote about it, so <laughs> was my answer to that. Uh, so I wrote an article for the Mary Sue called like, Eventually is Not Enough, uh, because after the casting of Fantastic Beasts happened, <laughs> And sorry, run away, baby, run away, baby in the back. Um, after the casting of Fantastic Beasts, like the first seven cast members were all white. And after, you know, we've all seen the original Harry Potter movies, and it's not the greatest with diversity uh, in that aspect. And so it was like, this is a new franchise that you have, and you have an opportunity to add more color, uh, especially to a, to a a work that is set in a predominantly black, like literally... Where you're from. <laughs> right, like I live in Harlem, so I'm just like, I just don't understand. Um, and like literally historically one of the most 
like famous times for black Americans is referenced as the Harlem Renaissance um, in the year that you set your movie in. So, um, you know, the first like seven cast members were white and it was just like, okay. And then I feel like someone either asked Joe or she was seeing commentary about it because people had questions like what is this like? And so I think she said something along the lines of eventually this isn't the, this is just the first movie eventually more people will be cast and then obviously like two people of color were cast for the movie and they had like five lines and i, I, I want to say too like they were probably cast already but they right. are not main characters and so and they, they weren't the first in the publicity so they weren't gonna they probably wouldn't have even said anything until people were like hey where are the people of color and they're like okay hold up let me scramble let me go call Carmen Jogo and see if she's cool to do some facts <laughs> like, like, I don't know like we didn't have it planned because she has two lines so like but let's see and then you know let's make sure we get her wand like I don't remember mm-hmm. what, what do we do for her wand okay let's get her wand we can you know that. we bought it but <laughs> we had to support the one character that we but like, but like, it's very. It was very much a like a last minute, a last minute. Like, oh, wait. Um, after there was like lots and lots of publicity and like people like me writing about this issue and saying, hey, like we've already seen that you're not great at this, at th- at this. So like, this is now round two, and you're still not proving that you can do this. Um, and then they're always scrambling for uh, to answer the question, but then still not answering it. <laughs> I think for me, um, there have been multiple times since in this post-canon era that we're in, um, if that's what we, post-canon renaissance, maybe. Not a, renaissance. <laughs> a depression, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but where you know, I've been online because before finding you know Wizard Team and finding like a group of people, I experienced fandom a lot just in an isolation kind of like I would be on the internet on Twitter when things would post, and I would just kind of go through tags and stuff to see what other fans were saying. And I remember after Magic in North America came out, being just really upset as someone who's part native, I was like, this is really, really problematic. But I'm wondering, like, is it in my head? Because I'm not interacting with people. And there was a lot of people saying, wait and see, which, okay, at that point, we really hadn't, except for, I don't even know if Chris Sheldon was out at that point. We didn't really have any post-canon experience. So at that point, I wasn't upset at hearing wait and see. I was like, okay, sure, maybe this ties into the movie, and yes, it's done poorly, but maybe there is a Native American character, and like that'll be cool. Because the see. push was like, this is go- this is, you know, a tie to this new right. movie, so it's like this is going to be important. Right. This is going to be a story that you are going to want to engage with in order to enjoy the next thing that we got going for you. Right. And so then the movie comes out, and then there's nothing about it, and then so when other things would happen. Namely, I remember when, you know, they announced that Dumbledore, you're not, not only is he not gay in canon, even though we said he is, he's not going to be gay in these movies, essentially. That's not exactly what they said, but that's essentially <laughs> what they said. Um, and then I remember getting into a discussion with somebody on Twitter, which you really shouldn't do, but you know, these things happen. He <laughs> <laughs> just, like, stumble into it. And then telling me to wait and see, and... After it, it was one thing to say before, but you've seen that they've operated in bad faith before. So why would I wait and see now? I already know how they operate. I know how this goes. There's not going to be. I should also. Why shouldn't we? Shouldn't have to wait and see. They should just. But do also, the, thing. the initial thing <coughs> so is still damaging. Yeah. Right. So yeah. wait and see for more damage or for them to mitigate damage. But the initial thing is damaging. Right. And so I'm just tired. That is really <laughs> my experience thus far. Lately, I feel like. The most recent example of this was when um, 
that whole publicity stunt in New York City happened. Uh-huh. So, like, I need to tell you, like, being a part of mischief management is part of is being part of one of the largest hive minds that's ever existed. Like, we all are like super fans, right? That's why we do this. That's why these cons happen. So, like, we're all in our like Slack being like, what is happening? And this person who works at this place said, oh, I heard this. And then this one who lives in New York City and knows exactly, oh, I heard this. We sent people as Leaky Cauldron, like, reporters to go. We had other people who were there, like, watching all of this happen, and we're all waiting and waiting and waiting. And then they just decided that throwing dark marks up in Times Square was, like, this super awesome, cool thing to do over and over and over again. And I was all over Twitter, like, can we not put, like wizard swastikas places mm-hmm. like do you not realize like what what you are doing right now is the equivalent of going to one of the most highly populated areas in the literal world and throwing up swastikas and darkening like making the whole place a blackout and then putting up swastikas in a place where like you are at like nobody wants to think about this but when you're in Times Square you are at risk when you are in lots of parts of New York City you are at risk because they are highly trafficked, well-known areas for attacks by people who like swastikas. <laughs> right. You know? So obviously they weren't putting up real swastikas, but they're putting up dark marks, which are the same thing. Let's be real. And so then you get all over Twitter, and they're like, and I'm, and then people are responding to me like, oh no no no, it's fine. It's just marketing. It's just marketing for the play. Like they, that's not what they're doing. You're taking it out of context. But, but it's not. But the it's play. An that's not. And also, that's not the plot of the play. Right. <laughs> you want to ask me? I don't know what the plot of the play is. <laughs> but it's not that. I saw the play. I know that's not the plot of it. <laughs> and I think that's also one of the things we were in LA and they had a celebration of the dark arts. And they had that was the world yeah. moving it. And they literally put the dark mark over the top. I'm like, are you just going to drop Dumbledore's body? <laughs> um, but the, and, it, and it comes from a, like, uh, this looks cool and we have a really great graphic design team mm-hmm. Like, and the disconnect between that and like the point of the play and the moral of that is resistance. Mm-hmm. So what we should be celebrating is resistance. And, and, you, can we, and you can do that with yeah. the dark mark imagery and like how cool that is and like oh my goodness it's a skull with a snake right. coming out of its mouth. You can do that but you can also counter it and balance it out with the right. light of and the story. Dark <laughs> in yeah. Times Square put dark marks up but then the actors that are there are not the Death Eaters, it's the resistance right. bonds yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. D- completely different. Instead, like, all the tone. actors are wearing like the dark mark shirts, and everyone's like, sometimes darkness comes from the most unexpected places, <laughs> which is like, sometimes your friends are racist. <laughs> <laughs> like, great. of marketing employees, like, who are you marketing to? Like, who finds that really, really exciting? Not the majority of Harry Potter fans, I hope. But that's the thing, right? It's like, we're not the majority of fans. Like, we want to think that we are. Yeah. But, like, yeah. The major- they, they changed the, the logo on the um, marquee to be the original Harry Potter logo yeah. and not the design that they had before. And it looks yeah. like garbage, yeah. first of all. <laughs> but second of all, it's like, so then the casual person walking through Times Square is like, ooh, let me get a picture with the Harry Potter 
sign. Oh, let's mm -hmm. go see that play. You know what I mean? Like they are marketing to the masses. They're not marketing to right. the people who so, actually but then have also, propelled like, this word, story in the last 20 years. Yeah, but then also like who was going to see Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone because of dark marks and like death eaters? <laughs> Nobody, because it wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like it's not like the folks who got it, whether they're casual fans or you know diehard fans, like that's not why folks came to that initially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not what the play is about. And like, yes, there's that, there's an element of that, but that is like one. I mean, it's one been three years, line. so the secrets are done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an not alternate. Anymore either. Great. So let's. It's, well, yes. <laughs> so let me just say it then. But like, it's an alternate timeline. That's again. That's not the point of the what of the play. Mm -hmm. Even the resistance part isn't really the point. That's the point of the like original series. But that's not what the cursed child is about. And so then, why market it as something that's like that's not actually what you're going to like? It, then it's just false advertising on top of it being like <laughs> Nazi advertising. And I kind of understand. Like, I do understand. For some fans, like as a former emo kid myself, <laughs> like I understand like the aesthetics being attractive, especially like if you've been to Universal sure. Studios going to like Nocturne Alley, like I can understand why the aesthetic and it is like she like Robin was saying, it's good graphic design. Like if you're into that more punk aesthetic, like the death the dark mark does speak to that. So like I do understand that piece of it, but I think as cr a creator of this property who's making an allegory about like Racism and Nazism, and all the stuff with your yeah. work. You and have oppression a and love and all that stuff. <laughs> you and the, and, the, and the people who have bought your property have a responsibility to somehow push that aesthetic, but responsibly. And I don't know exactly how to do that, but I do know it's not about like celebrating the dark arts in your theme parks, and especially without any counter. Because like I feel like the biggest equivalent to this is our stormtroopers. Like obviously that's a very strong um, imagery in the Star Wars universe, but like. As much as there's, you know, all of that, and there's stormtroopers and Darth Vader's running around, and there's Kylo Ren, like at the theme parks, it's like, oh, and then Ray shows up, and then Luke shows up, and there are lightsabers, and like the side of light has equally good merch and like equally good um, merchandise and like imagery, and so like there is more balance in that universe, and so it's just like, all right, everyone has a stormtrooper T-shirt, but I don't feel the same way in that universe as I do in the Harry Potter universe, especially because the, the, the story, like the moral of the story is a much deeper, like we need to fight this dark side. So the fact that like Warner Brothers and all this, you know, the higher powers are sort of like, and we're presenting it, but like with no resistance is weird to me. Yeah, I think I it's like that gift, You know that gift of, I don't know the movie, but Melissa McCarthy like walks in the door and throws a book and goes, read the book. <laughs> like we all read well most of us read the books but I think it's creating the, like WB and Joe I don't think they realize how much power they have on the fandom and how the fandom moves because I think it's creating like this void of nuance where when you, we call out these things we're like well why is there a dark arts right and then it's like oh well it's just like, marketing oh, well, it's just and it's just cool. nuance and, and, right and I get that you like it. But I know that. But we need to talk about why this is a problem. Yeah. And as a fellow child of Halloween, <laughs> like, I enjoy the spooky things. But there are so many cool spooky things in the Harry Potter universe that do not have to do with Death Eaters. Like, mm -hmm. and you know, you could have more like of the Forbidden Forest like stuff, or the restricted section, or just like generally yes. like the like mm -hmm. haunted halls like of Hogwarts. Oh. There's so much. It's a huge world. We don't have to focus on the, the like literal Nazis. <laughs> we don't have to do it. 
Um, so, kind of going back into this, we've talked a lot about what Joe and the WB are doing, but in terms of what the fandom as a whole is doing, how do you fight back against the casual fan or the people saying it's just marketing? Um, how do you how do you engage without ending up in a Twitter discussion as Jonathan called it? That that helps you know move the conversation forward and gives nuance. I think it's hard, and I'm not good at it. So like, don't go to my Twitter feed thinking you're gonna find like this advice being followed. But I literally think, <laughs> No, that actually ended well. But uh, yes, uh, I think. It's hard because we're so emotionally invested. I think you have to, like, take that part out. But it's hard, especially if you're, like, coming at it from, like, an identity that, like, of a marginalized person who's being, like, offended or hurt by these uh, messages. Um, I think you have to try and take your... If you're going to engage... Either don't engage. That's that's always an option. You don't have to engage with the fan, broader fandom if you don't want to. But also, if you're going to, you have to take try and take the emotions out of it, if possible, and just come at it factually. Because this morning... I did get into a discussion about um, why it, it was just the way somebody worded something saying, you know, we should be happy with the representation that Joe's given us and not complain. And I just politely pointed out that it's a bit yikes to say that representation is something gifted to us by creators rather than just something that should happen naturally when you're trying to accurately represent the world around you because brown people exist, gay people exist, you know, these things. Um, and that ended well. And so I think if you're going to engage, you just have to do it as, like, kindly as you can, but also as detached as you can because it's just not worth it because some people are just not going to listen. And also, like, it gets tiring and you got to take it yeah, yourself you don't want you don't want these conversations to, like, take your energy because you can use them elsewhere um, in terms of, like, uplifting the good things and, like, the good parts of the fandom and the story and the communities that you're in. Um, but, yeah, so earlier we have... Uh, at the Harry Potter Alliance booth, uh, a shirt that has uh, the black characters in the Wizarding World. And, you know, Hermione's on it, Lavender's on it, because, you know, she was brown uh, at some point in the series. And, uh, you know, a picture of it went up online, and someone wanted to know, like, why are Hermione and Lavender on this shirt, but, like, the two new characters from Crimes of Grindelwald, (laughs) why are they not on this shirt? And it's just like, well, first of all, who? Like, wait, who are you talking about? But second of all, like, okay, the shirt was made several years ago. We're not just going to, like, tank our shirt because two more characters with, like, two lines. And then, but, and fine, like, have that thought. But then it was really, like, the tone at which they came at us, like, oh, you know, you should be thankful and not complain when you want to get... And right. so my y'all say decision, y'all want representation, but you're leaving off these two people from a right. You should be happy that. about the representation like, you get, and it's just like that's no. literally not how it works. And also, um, <laughs> the type of representation matters. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, Lita was a child of rape. Yeah, and then yeah. something and, and sacrificed something herself, sacrificed herself for, for yeah. a white man, and so two of them, two of them, two are better. Just like right, and so it's just like think, the, there is nuance in that. What happened? Because what happened? Can I tell the story of how we watch that movie? Yes. Um, so, me and Robin and Bayana and Connie and uh, one of our other friends, Paige, who's here, um, were sitting in a hotel room at another Harry Potter con, and we decided to watch this movie, and I swear to you, how long is the movie? Like, what? Two and a half hours? 18 years. <laughs> Night because every 30 seconds, y'all like, left. Hold the phone. Y'all left before we finished the movie. 
seen it, so it's fine. We paused it for like an hour. Yeah. Like, <laughs> every time somebody popped up, we were like, who is that? Okay, wait, why are they there? Wait, what's happening here? I had to pull up the plot description. <laughs> Because who decided putting 20 plots in one movie was a good idea? And yet it was right. still boring. <laughs> it was so boring. They all wore the same gray suit. Right. We can't tell anything <laughs> apart. And so, like, the nuance of, like, you know, there are there's representation, but that does not mean good representation. And so we're, we should be allowed to talk about that and without other people dismissing it and saying that we should be grateful. Um, and my choice in that moment was just be like, forget it. I'm leaving this alone because I don't have the energy for this today. And I think that is an absolutely valid choice. And Delia later was just like, you know what? I have time. <laughs> and that is equally a valid choice. Oh God, um, and so it really depends on what mood you're in and like yeah. where you are. And I think, you know, look out for whatever is best for you, uh, both in the moment and what would be best in the long run. Because there are certain types of like people who push back who you can tell they're going to just keep pushing back and not, they're not listening. They're just going to yell at you and just like, keep giving the same energy and there's no convincing them or even uh, encouraging them to listen to what you have to say. So um, sort of look for the signs of what that is. Like usually I just go to someone's timeline and I look at see who they're replying to and how they're replying to people and then you can kind of get a sense of how your interaction will go with them because you know that just tells you a lot about how they are as a person. And so I think you just have to look at the content, the situation in like larger contexts before you decide to respond mm-hmm. also, yeah I, okay, I, I would also say too like, like it's very much like they're saying like, it's very much about energy um, it's and about like whether or not these people are actually coming to have a genuine conversation or if mm-hmm. they're just trying to shut you up mm-hmm. um, and provoke so like what I love to do I love I mean I don't do it often because I try to stay out it's, it's much easier for me to be like emotionally invested in things that are Harry Potter related versus other stuff I'll just like leave because I'm like uh, I go there but it's fine <laughs> um, is like Twitter threads are great because you can just put your thoughts on there you're not talking to nobody if people want to respond you can mute <laughs> and, you're, and you're like I said what I have to say and like cool if the people who I'm like talking about see it then great and maybe they learn something from it if not then like at least I got my like you know my rant out or whatever um but then the other like the main thing though about it is that like it's like it takes like a like a certain amount of privilege to tell someone else to wait and see Mm -hmm. um and if you've never really had to do that or if you've seen something like it's see the thing is is like wait and see is very much a like oh I didn't understand why Harry was wearing this particular outfit wait and see the movie and then you'd find out why he put those that that same shirt Mm -hmm. on for the Mm -hmm. next three years you know what I mean (laughs) okay like yeah wait and see for that but not like wait and see if you're going to be accurately represented like wait and see if you know the they're not going to do something that like is harmful to you right like we go to these stories because we want like escapism um we have like found parts of those stories that like really mean something deeply to us and so why would you go to the place where you're looking for like safety and and comfort and then to just be attacked like why would i wait and see if i'm like be harmed like Mm -hmm. why like i could not I also, you know? we're talking a lot about energy because these things, because we care about these things so much, they do take a lot of emotional energy because, mm-hmm. I mean, just like everybody else, I think sometimes we think, 
our experience is special to us. But this story has really resonated with lots of people across cultures, countries, continents. Like it, so it means a lot to a lot of people. And if you assume, like, if you understand that that's where people are coming from, which a lot of these people don't understand that that's where we're coming from when we're complaining about these things and we're saying, no, we are actually hurt by these things, um, it does take a lot of energy. And sometimes we don't have the energy. So I do think it's also important to like for like allies in those communities to have those conversations online and offline, like in these spaces, like at LeakyCon or even like in your hotel room or like in your friend group on your, I don't know, what do kids do these days? I know that one. Wherever they are. They're on the TikToks. <laughs> conversations instead like saying you know what this is cool like I think these are valid concerns like and you know bringing it up like if you see it and you're listening and you hear your friends that are people of color or like LGBTQIA plus or whatever marginalized um, community they're from and they're having issues and you hear that and then you're in a space later that is pushing back on those yeah pushing back on those complaints like Mm -hmm. say something like you know this is what I'm saying this is what I'm hearing have those conversations for those marginalized communities because it's a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I also think it is important, um, like in terms of the solidarity and, and, and having those conversations, it is also valid to not be of an identity and be offended by that and mm-hmm. speak out about it. And sometimes it's even more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, it, is, it is definitely true that a cis het white person speaking out about the like harm done to a marginalized community might will get more attention and possibly create more change than the person of that identity mm-hmm. speaking out about it because we have been ignored and will continue to be ignored <laughs> in certain spaces. Um, so I do want to like also encourage the fact that like you don't have to wait until someone of that identity says that they're offended. If it offends you, it offends you too, even if you're not of that identity. And it is more than. Um, Reasonable. It is necessary. It is, I think, like foundationally important to tell someone who says "wait and see" for you to be like, "No, you wait and see." Whatever. To speak back out about that. Isn't that all we like as marginalized people? That's all we do mm-hmm. all the time is wait and see mm-hmm. in our right. day to day lives. Like, right. Literally, like, oh, is this the day that someone's gonna like give me crap on the street for like well, also, we being visibly queer? Is like the day that we're gonna be represented. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Why is it shocking and refreshing when you see a story or a cast or whatever that looks like the world that you live in? Like, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be revolutionary, revolutionary. anymore. <laughs> and like, this is like point number one, but. Uh, a lot like cishet white people see themselves in all media at all times always so like for them to turn around and be like oh you just want something special like no like we want you to stop being so special apparently (laughs) that that you just get everything like yeah yeah. and as a cishet white person (laughs) (laughs) like it may feel the first few times that or maybe all of the times that you engage in these conversations but it is so important because you know what is making uh, you know people of color 
people who are LGBTQIA uncomfortable all of this. <laughs> all the time. So we have to lean into that discomfort and have these conversations with people who like are not getting it because they need multiple messages to get it through. So we've been talking a lot about like the negative impacts of gatekeeping, the wait people, the wait and see is talking to kind of silence people who have critiques valid and um, or not or whatever. Gatekeeping though, I'm a community manager um, by profession and choice. Gatekeeping does have a place and there are moments in which it is important and that is when <laughs> I wish to I, I wish that there was a gatekeeper who said, hey no Nazis in Times Square. <laughs> Let's close that gate. Um, <laughs> would be nice. No, you know. But um, when are there times in which you've seen gatekeeping that is helpful and necessary? And how would you like to see more of that? Or I mean, Utopia is getting into a place where people just have the chill to do it themselves. But like, um, are there any examples of this happening? Where you're like, oh, that was good. In fandom? In fandom. I have that one. I'm not going to lie to you. I think that um, I have been in panel spaces where it has been, like, not necessarily exclusively for queer folks, but, like, this is a panel that is meant for queer folks. I think a lot of our meetups tend to be kind of like this. Like, Mm, hey, this is a space that is only for queer people. We will not allow any recording in this space. We will not allow, like anything to happen here that would jeopardize the safety of the queer people who are in this room. Mm-hmm. And so like going in there and knowing like, hey, I'm good. Like for this hour in this room, I am good, I'm safe. Like nothing bad is going to happen in here. And I, I think like to a lesser extent, you see that in like, I don't know, like not to say that Hogwarts houses are marginalized. They're not. <laughs> they're not marginalized because they're Hogwarts houses. <laughs> I hope that's not news. Um, but like, hey, let's, isn't it so great to hang out in a space that's just the Slytherins, just the Gryffindor? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of space, I think, is good gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting. That happened. It seems like <coughs> that type of gatekeeping happens like it comes from fandom, like, we don't see WB or Joe or, like, the powers that be or whoever, like, doing that sort of, like, creating spaces for these fans, um, and so, going back to kind of, like, doing the work on your own, some, it's, as of right now, how the fandom is set up, I think we have to do that work to create spaces for these identities, or not, it doesn't even have, like, like I was saying, it doesn't have to be marginalized identities, it could be, you're just like, you know, I'm Less expanded people deserve rights. Okay, all right. <laughs> we have, we live nine years, <laughs> thank you. We have shorter lifespans, <laughs> and we are marginalized. You're all actually right. not studied in any studies that are about, like, brain chemistry and, like, neurology. Because they're afraid of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There is very little medical research specifically about left-handed people because they are specifically excluded from yeah. studies That's done by brains. Okay, all right. So y'all need a space. Go make a space. Yeah. <laughs> the right <Q-A>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'd be real. But Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But 
But also, isn't that the sucky part, right? Like, we have to create our own spaces. And, like, again, it goes back to energy. Like, that is energy that is also often free labor uh, that we can't be doing other that we could be doing other things with but can't because we have to ensure that our people are good and that we have this space and that everything you know make sure that no one is going to attack and make sure that this is happening this way and that way and it's like but I could be using this energy to you know love on this thing or just chat with any of my friends about this thing um and so it's sort of like you have to do it yourself And it's like, okay, that is the best place for authenticity in that thing. Um, But also it is often free labor that you could be using in other ways. And so wouldn't it be great if the gatekeepers would hand down the keys (laughs) to keep the metaphor going um, of the thing so that you could create that space with less... uh, (sighs) What's the word I want? Yeah, like with less um, effort, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that you can create the space with less effort, and then that way the space can easily thrive and grow faster, as opposed to like, well, we got, you know, we're having this meeting because we need to discuss this, and then this thing happened, and we need to discuss this, when you could be using that energy to talk about the thing that you're coming together about. I feel, even though I know that, but I feel like, I'm a black Harry Potter fan, and like I feel like that's how the fandom sees me. When that is true, and that is part of my identity. And our, it, but like perspectives so on the story are and work, different. Yeah. I'm putting so much focus and work into that part when really I'm just a Harry Potter fan. Like mm-hmm. I can talk to Harry Potter uh, to anyone. I love talking about Harry Potter all the time mm-hmm. to literally anyone who will listen. Come to more of our panels. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're here all but weekend. Like, but yeah, I feel like by having to focus my energy into creating these spaces for myself and for others, mm-hmm. like I feel like the fandom then returns and it's like, oh, so that is what you are, and then that's mm-hmm. the only place I can exist. But I'm like, but I want to go, I don't know, I can't think of an, an example, but I'm like, I want to go. series, cuddling. <laughs> oh, yes, I want to, yeah, exactly. right. fashion icon. <laughs> and I want to do stuff like that. Yeah, it's like we don't have to, we don't want to be pigeonholed. Like, we want to be able to discuss our authentic experiences as a fan of whatever identity that you hold and how that, um, you see that in the story and how it's reflected in the story um, in all the good ways and also the bad ways. Like, we want to be able to discuss that, but also we just want to talk about Nagini and how creepy it is that she, you know, has a a human outfit. Um, Like, we want to be able to do all of those things and be our full identities and not just one narrow portion of it. And part of, like, the wait and see is, like, oh, this part of your identity doesn't get to move forward like the rest of you might. Like, if Fantastic Beast was actually good, there, <laughs> you know, the franchise is actually good. Like, it's it's interesting to think about like how these conversations would be changing because the representation would probably still be bad, but the story would be better, and then we'd be able, to, you know, we'd have to figure out how to like talk about the negatives, but also talk about the cool beasts that were in the movie that could have been in the movie. Um, (laughs) well that could have been in there yeah so it's just like that struggle of like I want to talk about my identity and how I see it in the story and also I wish that it was reflected better in the story like it could just all be so much better I want to build off of this but I also want to say that we're about to open up for questions so we have them get to the things in here why do you think the fandom and I'm not talking about Warner Brothers or J.K. Rowling. I'm talking about fandom spaces, spaces like this, spaces like that exist on the internet. Why are they so hesitant 
to allow for these discussions and why is wait and see the, like, maybe not the most prevalent, but the, one of the loudest responses when there is canon wars. Or... Because they're comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. People like, they don't, challenged. they got what they, they got what, or what they they're looking for. What they're mm -hmm. looking for. And in the same ways that, like, a lot of us have found the things from the books that we, like, love and we hold on to, those are pieces of the books, whereas, like, they find themselves represented in the whole thing. So they're like, nah, it's great. We're out here. Um, <laughs> and so when people are pushing back on that, I feel like a lot of times then they get... Like they feel attack. it feels yeah it feels like a personal attack it feels like well there are all these other wonderful things so why aren't you talking about all these other wonderful things like come to find me just like scroll a little bit <laughs> we did talk about it. it um yeah i really feel like it's one of i mean it's the same reason why like any conversation about race or gender or sexuality immediately gets pushed back because people aren't like they are uncomfortable in interrogating those things and like kind of realizing that they may be complicit in that as well and so it's easier to just be like, oh, nah, like, y'all, it's fine. And I think it's like, like you said, they're comfortable, but also it's like, well, I waited for the trailer to come out and see, I got what I, what the representation that I needed. And so it's like, oh, well, you just have to wait for the movie. You know, I'm sure it's in there. And like, like, I think there's a, there's a, a trust in that, the, that the high, higher yeah, powers because trust. it's a privilege to have that trust because like you got the thing you were looking for either the last time or you, you're just expecting that it will be there and I think that is also one of the interesting things about Fantastic Beasts and Cursed Child and some of the fandom pushback is that it's like oh you, you didn't this time right. like now you understand like some of some people may start to understand what marginalized people feel like because it's just like oh I waited and I saw and it oh you're oh this is the feeling that you have yes all right. the time <laughs> and I mean I will say too like I in some ways understand like sometimes when people like talk about a thing that you love you immediately get defensive mm -hmm. and like this is this happens like it happens to me right like I like I can't think of the thing now this it happened. no <laughs> no it happened yesterday I stand the editors but I don't really stand another one <laughs> it happened um, yesterday Robin was coming from New York just a little bit and I was like hold up that's not great it's right. like one of those like properly things of Duncan on no. the corner <laughs> right. but, it's, but it's one of those things where like people can say like <laughs> it's all, it depends on tone it depends on Beyonce. Oh, there you go. I just it took me a second. Like it's not so much the like the sentiment, right? Like folks that have whatever opinions about Beyonce, perhaps don't say them to me. <laughs> but you can have those opinions, right? And so, but then it's, also can't but it's have also, unfactual that she's like not talented, right? So it's it's yeah. part it's part of facts, right? But it's also like the like. I love Beyonce. So if somebody's gonna come and say something, even if it's unfactual, they're like, oh, I don't like her, my initial reaction would be like, well, you can leave, right? Like, <laughs> like, get out of why are you not gonna say anything you have right? to say. So like on that side I understand it because it's like something somebody's attacking something that you love and that you like really connect with deeply. Like your immediate thing is, is like it feels like you're being attacked, right? But if you think about it, a lot of most people don't say things and won't like critique things unless they like them, right? Because they want, them, they want them to be better. So they're not just saying it just to be like, some people do, but like those are <laughs> trolls and you ignore them. But a lot of, most of the time people are saying these things because they're like, I really think this is cool. It sucks that this is happening over here. Right? Um, and so like being able to make it less personal and realize that it's not about you specifically and but that it can be in the way that like you can also use your voice to then 
hopefully make it better eventually I don't know like it just it yeah I think also some people because I forget who said it earlier but you know a lot of times it's engaging with more what we call casual fans but we're such super fans that even casual fans can be really into this story (laughs) but I think when you're a more casual fan of something you're not practicing engaging with it critically Mm -hmm. with the word critically and so we're here thinking about it critically and once you're in that practice it's easy even if it's something I don't notice or agree with when somebody comes to me and is like hey did you notice that in the Fantastic Beast trailer Nagini's like a person (laughs) and isn't that kind of problematic instead of being like well hold up I don't know if it's problematic I'm like that's a good point because I'm used to thinking about things that way but I think a lot of times these are more casual fans who just love the story but have never thought critically of what's in it they haven't thought critically about households and how that's pretty problematic or you know the representation of people there I think they've accepted that J.K. Rowling said Dumbledore was gay and that was good enough like I don't think they're thinking in the same level not that it's worse but it's just we're operating in two different spheres basically mm-hmm. um, another dimension of this which is related to Vina's point about like trolls like is that there's some insidious piece about the um, conversation that's happening in fandom where some people really want to defend JK Rowling and Warner Brothers so much that they're conflating con- criticism mm-hmm. with trolls with people who are coming back with Even violent Joe feedback has conflated mm-hmm. the two yeah and yes. it is it is really, really dangerous to say that criticism is the same thing as you know, some like really bad behavior um, when it comes to you know violence and saying you need to you know die or like threats like that. That is very different from marginalized communities saying stop that, don't do that, <laughs> don't represent and, it like that. <laughs> it is. It's we really need to be careful about what your response is to when people say, Joanne, please stop. You know, that, in that moment, that is not a threat. That is people saying, you said something that hurts. And you need to stop, consider it, and do better. And it, we really need to be engaging with that. I had someone who is very, very, very well known within the Potter community. Um, as exactly. I know. I, I will not. Oh no, different one. No, 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 I told her. I told her. No, I will not do that. Um, sorry. Yeah. Um, if you want to scroll back far enough in my Twitter feed. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Yeah. Um, I had someone who's very, very, very well known in the Potter community basically tell me that I was whining um, and come to the defense of J.K. Rowling once upon a time um, about about when when all that news came out about like Dumbledore's not going to be explicitly represented as gay in the Fantastic Beast movies. Understandably, like a lot of queer people were very upset because it's like this is the one we get one. You gave us one, and now we don't even get that one. Like, right? Also, the, what was the point? Centers around what is the, what she told us yeah. was an important relationship. Like, so okay. So I don't need to get upset about that again. Um, but I was, you all know I'm very upset about it on the internet, and I have this person tell me, like, come to the defense of J.K. Rowling 
over me, a person that they know personally, mm-hmm. and who is a queer person, and who is a queer person who loves these stories. Mm-hmm. Authentically, like, uh, it's like, not like, yeah, I mean, you're out here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and I have not ever been quiet about my distaste for, I literally wrote a song about how J.K. Rowling sucks. And, <laughs> how like being a marginalized person who enjoys her stories is painful because like here look like we're all out here and you don't seem to realize that but that's fine like you were great in the 90s maybe but like it is 2019 Mm -hmm. step up (laughs) so and this person came back to me and never basically told me like oh we won't be having this like tried to shut me down and told me we won't be having this conversation anymore I will not continue this discussion with you and like uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) can I say one of my favorite and I say that completely um, um, (laughs) insincerely one of my favorite things about like Twitter culture is someone coming to you telling you you're whining and then when you push back or defend yourself then you're the bully yeah mm-hmm. and then they have they have to shut down the conversation <laughs> right you came to me <laughs> i'm the one who's expending all of this emotional energy that i p.s don't have right <laughs> to fight with you a non-marginalized human mm-hmm. about this thing oh my god sorry another <laughs> <laughs> thing too is like this woman is a millionaire Billionaire. Billionaire. I think billionaire. She might be billionaire. She might be giving it away. She was a billionaire. She is rich. Okay? She's very rich. And, like, we don't owe her nothing. We gave her our money. We are continuing to give her our money. So, like, we can't just be like, hey, yo, maybe let's not do that. You know? Maybe let's not make, like, the one or the second black one of the black characters in Fantastic Beasts to be like the child of rape. Like, let's not do that. Co- colonial like, rape. Colonial rape. Like, like it's and like basically slavery. Like, let's yeah. not do that. Mm-hmm. That's probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Like, do saying that and then is not the same as like going off and like like Maggie was saying, it's not death threats, right? Mm-hmm. This woman has all this money in the world. She, I'm sure she's muted most of her mentions anyway. Like, I don't understand why folks feel the need to then like stick up for someone who's clearly not like she tripping, doesn't need vulnerable. it. She has a it's whole not, team of lawyers, right? So you're so you're like attacking the folks who are vulnerable and are sticking up for themselves, um, in favor of this woman who. Gave us seven books. Like, yeah, she gave us all these other things, but like, she wrote she wrote a series, and we connect. And, and it was a great honest, series, but like, we don't owe her for doing something that she would have done anyway. And mm-hmm. let's also just like call this thing a thing, beloved. She gave us like a template for some awesome fanfic that we love. Yeah. <laughs> not not cursed child, but like. <laughs> Any questions or comments? Hi, first off, I am so thankful to see like a panel with predominantly people of color on it, and women of color. Oh, I'll come to our people. Our panel has a color meetup, which yes. is tomorrow. Sunday. No, it's tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> what did you say? Sunday. Oh, it sounded like you said Sunday. I was like, not Sunday. Don't you go ahead. Don't come on Sunday. I mean, I just um, so I, I'm grateful to work for an organization that is explicitly anti-racist. 
And uh, oftentimes the discussions that we have in the office are like the short answer to like when pe you people challenge a text that you love, and especially in fandom, like the soup that we all swim in is white supremacy. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying that everyone mm -hmm. is white supremacist, mm -hmm. but yeah. it is it is the soup that we exist in that these texts were written in. Fandom is a predominantly white privileged space. Yes. And so I'm wondering how in this avenue of being anti-racist and being better and doing better, how um, how we can do that, you know, and how, how do we regularly live out that identity? Um, because I also deal with it in fandom studies as well. It's also a very white space, yeah. you know, and I love fandom and I love, like, it's very utopic and community is great, but we also have to be able to call out what is problematic in our own cultures. Mm -hmm. I think, too, we were talking a lot about energy, but one of the things that I really do love about, like, Black Girls Create and the community is that it is a space, and everyone is welcome. Maggie is a fave. Maggie <laughs> <laughs> is a superstar in our community. But An we artiste. Have, we have been very explicitly saying, like, this space prioritizes the comfort of black women first, people of color, and then everyone else can be, like, we're not shutting, you're more than welcome to be here. You're more than welcome to, like, engage, to learn, to give and receive. But the minute that something happens and the, the people who this place is for feel threatened or feel uncomfortable, then that's who we prioritize. That's whose feelings we put first. And I think that that is a lot of energy and work, but you get a lot of it too. It's like, you, you know, you, you get what you put in. So I would encourage everyone, if it's not Black Girls Create, if it's, you know, something else, that you make that space and you are explicit not it's not a um, exclusionary thing. You're just very like like you said. We swim in a super white supremacy. <clears throat> they are always their feelings are always prioritized. You make yourself a space where you explicitly say your feelings are not prioritized here. You're welcome. We love to have you here, but that's not like where we don't default to your comfort zone. I think also. Um we were talking about energy, if you don't have a space or maybe for whatever identity you identify with, you don't see it space, you don't have a space, I think also shouting as loud as you can with the energy you do have is good. Being on panels like this, you know, creating avenues for yourself until you find your people. And if you don't have the energy to do that, use what energy you do have to prop up. Or if you're not a marginalized person and you're like a coming from a place of privilege, use your energy to prop up those who do have energy and are marginalized and want to do the work and prop them up so they can create the, the spaces that are needed within the fandom. Green shirt, maroon, green work. So, my question is, like, we were talking, or you were talking on the gender panel before, too, and we were talking about how, like, in actual Harry Potter books in the 90s, we see that that world is patriarchal and homophobic and racist and part of that is just because J.K. Rowling has that internalized part of it is like I guess that's the wizarding world <laughs> so my question is as these 20s movies are coming out do we want to just like ignore that like the human history and the wizarding history just to have those marginalized roles or what's the best way to represent <laughs> oh. uh, okay listen so we only have <laughs> a very short amount of time <laughs> this, is, this, yeah. is, this is my quickest answer to this that is erasure, and that is where you get to the point of, I don't know if you guys have like seen, there have been a lot of like recently stories about people going to plantations and being like, well, why aren't they happy they were fed? 
Yeah. Like, when you don't understand the realities of what people went through, then you're very able to discount their experiences and also be like, we, racism didn't exist or it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. You have to show the world as it is, as it is a fantasy or not. Like, a lot of the greatest things about stories are showing flaws, showing how people overcome them, showing how people make spaces. But you say, like, oh, it didn't exist or it, we, it's uncomfortable and we don't want to, like, touch on it gives people a leg to stand on to erase that history and then pretend like you're making it up or you're victimizing yourself or whatever. And so I think, yeah, it's uncomfortable. We don't want to talk about it, but it happened. Right. And I think, too, like, the Wizarding World, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that, like, in the 20s they had to have the same things, but then you have to show or at least, like, explain how they got to the place where they're at. Where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, they should be, like, I would feel much more comfortable with it being this, like, super diverse space and they all are just, they treat each other with, as J.K. Rowling said, purported, um, with mutual respect and kinship. And, like, if we saw it and I'm sitting here like, how? I mean, at least they're there. You know what I mean? As opposed to going now and you're like, well, where did they, it's like, it's a, it's an issue that's not only a jk rowling issue it's like a Mm -hmm. fantasy it's like sci-fi fantasy issue where you like have these gigantic allegories for racism and marginalization and oppression and then none of the people who actually experience that in real life exist Mm -hmm. so then you're like where did they go what happened and that's like a scarier story than whatever's going on (laughs) so like it's yeah it's definitely one of those things with like robin is saying like is the erasure of it and it's like just have like we existed at that time and there there's no time for the Serafina rant, but it is the microcosm of that issue of like you want to show uh, idealism and like, oh, look, progress at a time when there wasn't really that much progress. But as Bayana was saying, there has to be work done to explain the dis. Connect because, uh, right, and like, so like, in this time that we're watching these movies, we would like the world to look like the world we are, but it is set in the past or in a fantasy world where you would like to show oppression or whatever, but like, there still needs to be more work done. Like, I think it's just a matter of like, you know, J.K. Rowling and like any creator, you can put these stories in there and try to tell a story about racism and oppression and things like that, but you also need to make sure that you're like matching it with our, the values of your audience that you're watching it with. Like, it's work and you just have to do it. <laughs> yeah. And can I just say something real quick? Part of the problem, too, is that what we're realizing as Harry Potter fans is that J.K. Rowling does not have the range mm-hmm. to tell the stories that she wants yeah. to tell. So we're suffering from that because yeah. if you can't tell the story, then don't tell the story. Because mm-hmm. now we're looking at you like, well, you can't tell any story. What story can you tell? Um, so a lot of this, it's really easy, I mean, easy relatively, to uh, combat people when they're being gatekeeping and when they're not in the community. But what about, like, horizontal oppression? Like, how, like, that happens a lot. I know there was an instance, like, last year at LeakyCon with, um, I think, Blaze and Beanie Factor um, mm-hmm. who said some things. Um, but, like, what, how, how is the response different when it comes from within the community and it's horizontal oppression instead of a, you know, top-down approach? I can kind of speak to this from the queer community aspect of like there's a lot of internalized like homophobia and a lot of transphobia within the LGBT community and it's like we just have to continue to do the work like I have to stand up for the trans people that I know as a cis person to be like hey yo that's you're wrong and here's the 20 reasons why 
and I'll give you 20 more if you let me talk long enough, <laughs> even if you don't. Um, and like, as a queer woman, I would expect other queer people to stand up for what is correct. But like, the fact of the matter is, is like, we are, a lot of us grew up in really like, oppressive situations and that sticks with you like that messes with you for a long time and unless you deal with that then you may end up stuck with some of those views it's why we have for example log cabin republicans um so sorry about it <laughs> but it, we have to continue to do that work within our own spaces and hope that people not in our spaces can help support us in that way. And that's just as far I can, can't speak to any community other than the queer community. But Yeah, I feel like part of why that continues to happen is because we don't have our own spaces <laughs> or like the resources to make our spaces what we need them to be. Because I think there are lots of people who, you know, you hold a worldview and then you're... Just, you become surrounded by other people who hold the other worldview, and you're like, oh, like it suddenly clicks. But if you're not in those spaces, you can't, you don't have access to that story. And so, you know, giving us the resources to be able to make these spaces more active, more alive, more with more power is one of the reasons I think we can combat that. And like, it's like, oh no, we're welcoming you. You can understand like this new perspective that you maybe didn't have before. Um, so give us the resources we need. <laughs> also sometimes you have to, and I don't know if this is like the right thing to say or not, but you you don't bite the hand that feeds you, and so you pair the party line, and you see this a lot with people, of, going back to like the, the lockdown Republicans, people spouting these talking points because that's how they eat. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, you have to, you know, do the math of like, what are you going to do and what are you not going to do? And like, what doors are you going to willingly let close? Um, but then, yeah, you just have to keep calling it out. Mm -hmm. Someone have their hand up. Yeah. Um, so I think this might speak to what you were saying about Joe like just not having sort of the range. But I think some people probably thought that her reaction to uh, the fandom's response to Black Hermione mm -hmm. in The Cursed mm -hmm. Child, which mm -hmm. was obviously like a little disappointing in the mm -hmm. fandom. Um, I thought that her response to it sort of like maybe retconning it was a little weird. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I get it, you meant Hermione to be black, why you, you could just have just said so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but presenting I, it as still if, canon, though, like, I don't, I don't think <laughs> but like but, she, I think, but, yeah. The, yeah, the problem that lied in that was that she was presenting it as if it was her thought all along to make Hermione unraced, and so therefore any person could see her at no, Hermione was white in your mind. That's why you let them cast her white Hermione in the movies, and, that's why and like all the white. drawings are of white Hermione, and then it wasn't a thing that you've ever been open to saying and talking about until it's just like oh, we've cast the black person. It's just like yeah, 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 I meant that all along. Uh huh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the wait and see that you were supposed to read. And she right, basically right. just quote, directly quoted Amana Bennett's BuzzFeed. Like, <laughs> yeah, that absolutely. was what she did. She, absolutely. Didn't, she didn't say like, oh, well, I didn't. like. She didn't say, well, that was what I'd always said. She basically just ripped a quote. Like, pretty <laughs> hair from, from a black, black woman. Black. She could be black. <laughs> like, she, yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, 
<laughs> anyway, thank you. We are. I think we're at time. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, I want to yeah. encourage you to keep having these conversations with yourself. Keep calling people out, calling people in if you look like Shell Sandberg or whatever. And thank you. Tell them. Yeah, and, and when someone tells you to wait and see, you say, "No, you wait." <laughs> you think should be in a space, speak up for it because we need as many voices as possible oh, saying that. Octavia Butler said, if there's a story that exists and you don't see it, you write it yourself. So, what was it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's Tony Morris. Tony Morris has said that. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, on Wednesday, we will resume our regular schedule discussing the beginning of Act 4 of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. More proof that we just we're in are in a dark, dark place. Um, make sure to read, follow along. If you want to join the conversation on Twitter, add us at We Black and Nerds. Use the hashtag Wizard Team. Um, you can follow Connie on Twitter at Comstar Twenty Four, Delia at Delia Dumbledore, Maggie at Muggle Brevig, and Abby at Abby Lynn Nineteen. Um, and also, just you know, in general, we want to be really explicit here. Like support trans folks, support non-binary folks, support marginalized folks of all races, sexualities, genders, period. We're not out here trying to be bigoted on this here podcast, on this here platform, or like anywhere. So if that's something that y'all believe in, maybe do that somewhere else, not with us. We're out here, critical fandom, inclusive fandom, safe fandom, um, and society as a whole. So yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Wednesday. (laughs) 